Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event for her by her presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses, employment, and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. Today on the show, we're talking about all the wild stuff that's been happening in the social media landscape in the last six months, but definitely specifically in the month of July, 2023. So much has happened in the last 30 days. It's more than what's happened in the last three years. And so Emily and I wanted to catch you up and talk about what's going on and how it's going to affect your small business. We know things can change super quickly. So I want to be completely transparent that we recorded this about a week ago on July 24th, 2023, and we heard announcements just yesterday from Twitter, so I can only imagine more is going to happen before you even get a chance to hear this. I hope you enjoy, and we'll dive in. Okay, I think before we even dive into the realm of like literally what the heck is happening with threads, but also there are so many other elements that are happening behind the scenes that are affecting the social landscape that we're going to share with you guys today. Can we like take a moment of literally what the fuck happened with how quickly threads took off and then kind of quieted? (laughs) I know it's so wild. So, you know, I think a lot of people gave their opinion on podcasts about threads within a few days of it launching. But within a few days of it launching, it was going absolutely bananas. Just for perspective, chat GPT took five days to hit a million users. Instagram took two and a half months from the time they launched to hit their first million. Netflix took three and a half years. And I got my threads account 12 hours after they launched. And I was user number like 22 million something. In the first five days, threads hit 100 million users. But in the two weeks since then, their daily active users have dropped by more than 70%. And it's down to about 13 million a day. But like the usage per day is incredibly low. I find it really interesting because I also joined, I think the same day or the day after that you did. And it was really interesting being a part 
of a brand new social platform and seeing people like dive in, get their feet wet, figure out what to post. And it was very clear within the first, I would say week, week and a half that people were still trying to figure out what is the collective agreed tone and usage of this platform going to be? I thought it was really cool that the conversation was really geared around like we as users have little control over what the platform looks like, you know, some of its features, how it interacts globally. But we're realizing that we have a lot more control over how people show up on different platforms. And I thought it was really cool that there were so many people, at least from what I was seeing, being very intentional about keeping it a certain vibe, a certain energy. Yeah, it was, I mean, it still is very positive and I have seen more conversations started where I feel like it's been a while, you know, Instagram and TikTok, there's a lot of talking at you that's happening. And in threads, I think the concept is really that you can start a conversation. Well, it's not necessarily community building because they do not have a good way to just look at who you're following or vice versa, who your followers are. It has sparked a lot of great conversations, especially with people I haven't talked to in a hot minute, because I think it was really powerful of them to connect your previous following from Instagram over, although I'm sure a lot of people were frustrated by that because if you were small on Instagram, then you were automatically going to be small over on the new platform. And so if you weren't already popular, like what were your chances of gaining traction or new followers in this new place? I don't know. But I definitely felt like there was, whether it was intentional by meta or intentional by the users, it's hard to know. But I feel like the goal was to be more community oriented, positive, like funny, like real life, like not just all business all the time, but like, let's be real people. Well, and that's, you know, my least favorite thing is when everything does feel salesy and and pitchy and being in the marketing space for so long, like business owners are just going to turn it into that in some realm, in some corner. And so I was hoping for the more conversation-based relationship building over there. I I didn't specifically choose to go ahead and follow everyone that I already follow on Instagram. I wanted kind of like a fresh start, a different start. And I think it's kind of neither here nor there at this point, since there's no search capabilities. If you're wanting to follow anyone new, you're going to have to find them on Instagram first. And if they're joined threads, you'll see it in their profile. But if they haven't, then they remove it from their profile. It's already gone. It's already gone. It was there for like the first two weeks. You could see their threads profile and now it's disconnected. So you can't see that anymore, which I'm sure is, you know, people are habitually, I'm sure, more likely to hit their Instagram app because it's been on their phone for years. I've even in the last couple of weeks forgotten threads existed unless I got a notification and when I've logged in, have I mean, clicked on it, let's be honest, it wasn't whatever. I was finding that it was just the same like three to five people that were talking and like big group that was talking had dwindled or diminished almost entirely. And I was like, well, if I just wanted to hear Gary Vee talk, I could listen to him anywhere else. Like I right. don't have to come I, to, have to be for 
here. Well, what I find interesting is the conversation around, because nearly every single person I've talked to about threads, it, immediately they compare it to Twitter, right? And they're like, Facebook or Meta is trying to create something that's a competitor to Twitter. And from day one, even though it looks like it, I knew like that isn't actually their goal and that they are after something completely different. We may not know it yet. It may be just a small building block into the metaverse that Mark Zuckerberg wants to create in general. But I found it interesting that like it's really hard for people to have a conversation about threads without directly comparing it to Twitter. And I think like if we take away the similarities of it, I want to figure out and dissect like what do we think the actual intention and purpose of this platform is? Well, I think if that were me, Instagram used to be both text and photo and then it moved to like just photo and then they felt like they had to compete with TikTok so then they pushed reels but I kind of wonder and I don't obviously know I have no insight into this but like is the thought that threads would be the text-based conversation Instagram would be the photo-based conversation and Will Reels end up being its own app at some point? I don't know. Or are they always going to kind of simultaneously merge those things? I'm unsure. They could have added another feature to Instagram right. that looked like Threads. But they just intentionally made it a new app. But why is the question? I assume it's because some people will have one and they don't want the other like if they want to be able to can you have a threads now without an instagram or is that still not a thing yet oh that's a great question i don't know if you can have one without an instagram but i know if you choose to delete your threads you have to delete your instagram that was one of the interesting like user agreements that you may have not realized you opted into because i mean Instagram tests new features literally all the time through Instagram and through Facebook. Yeah, I, mean, I remember back when we were even running ads or creating a Facebook business page that there were, you know, multiple groups that we were in of people screen sharing, you know, this part of my platform looks different or this part of my reporting looks different. I can't not remember the number, but at some point there was an article that went around that was like Facebook test however many, I bet it's tens of thousands, definitely thousands of different versions every single day of what the homepage might look like or what the analytics might look like or what your Instagram feed looks like or whatever, all to create a different experience for their users to reach whatever goals they have in mind. But there's community testing features on Instagram. There's different private chat conversation features. There's different like subscribing features. And so I, f I did find it really interesting that they went ahead and just developed an entirely different app. Well, I wonder, because if you think about it, some of what people were doing immediately on threads was circa maybe how they started their Facebook back in the day. 100%. I'm feeling whatever. <laughs> right. And it's just sort of the like post on your wall kind of mentality. But there's this been this surge of people not wanting to be on Facebook because it's for a million reasons, like so many reasons people have been leaving. I don't know. I think if I was to really think about why from a business perspective, the only thing that comes to mind is they want to make more money. And right now they're not monetizing the app, but I think they got way more users way more quickly than they anticipated. 
So I don't think it was necessarily the goal to even monetize it potentially even this year. But if you look across the board at what all social platforms are doing, they're trying to turn social into a shopping experience of some kind. And while it used to be ad specific, there's this giant move to keeping people exclusively in the app they're already in without leaving. And well, and that move is brought on not only by selfish reasons of that business, right? You want people to linger on your thing for much longer so they stay, but also with all the Apple privacy changes that came out, what, a couple years ago at this point, that make it harder and worse for the user experience to leave the platform and keep their information connected so that their experience as a shopper is better. We intentionally, the collective we, demanded for and were okay with a worse marketing and shopping experience for our privacy, which is an okay sacrifice to make. It does affect a lot of businesses, both big and small, but that happened. And I think that then changed a lot of the goals of what app owners and creators had in mind. Well, and the interesting thing that kind of correlates with that is this seems to be very hush news. I tried to find like a reputable source that was citing that this was true yet, and I haven't seen it. I've just heard murmurings of people hearing it from their meta rep or whatever, but there seems to be speculation that meta is going to be scheduling the death of their conversion pixel, i.e. in three months, fully deprecating it, which for those of you who've been in the advertising space for any period of time may know that a conversion pixel back in the day was essential to you getting great ROI. And then when all the privacy changes happened, Facebook was struggling harder and harder to be able to recognize if there was a conversion happening and thus it was sending your ads to like a wacky audience because it couldn't really tell what was working and what wasn't. And the speculation like further goes on to say that they think it's really related to Google's expected changes of this like cookie-less future. And so if Google removes cookies and thus they also want you to shop directly in their own app or their own experience or whatever, what does this mean for like advertising across the board? And the part that I keep coming back to is if they're trying to integrate checkout, but they continue to exclude entire industries, what does that mean for the industries that can't participate? Because it's not a small number. Like No, it is a big number of people who can't participate. I mean, we're talking medicine, health, all MLMs, a lot of finance and selling, even just phrases that might not be full industry, but like work from home or anything like that. A lot of those industries, and those are pretty big umbrellas, are banned. What I find interesting, so here's my kind of prediction. So about shopping in general and how ads will change. So if they are increasing and wanting to move more towards in-app shopping experiences, they will get data from that. You are in the app, you are liking something, you're clicking on something, you're browsing a shop. If that shop stays on meta, they will have all of that data. They will know what you buy, what you click, what you share, everything. You're spending and buying patterns. That's the only way for them to get that data after Apple changed all their privacy stuff. 
And so similarly, I'm in the world right now of learning Amazon ads for my book, which is an entirely different beast and world. And it's so funny having run our own ads many years ago, getting really familiar with like the ads manager and Facebook, Amazon clearly modeled like their dashboard very similarly. And so using the same language, using some same layout. So it's really funny, but it's in app in Amazon ads and it tracks like if you bought this book, then maybe you're going to like this book kind of thing. And you can search audiences based on people who follow authors on Amazon and their Amazon storefront, people who purchase things, because all of that data is stored in Amazon because you don't leave to go make a purchase from Amazon. It's all within that same app. And so I think Amazon's light years ahead in that game. But I mean, the billionaire club, I'm sure, talks to each other. So, Well, if that's the case, is there argument that while Amazon is a shopping first platform that we should be including them in social? I think so. And for buying information, like as an author who is going to spend money on advertisements, I would love to see the authors that you follow on Instagram or the comments that you leave or the groups that you're in on Instagram and let me serve ads to you in that way. But do you think they're all too siloed? Like I think what was working and why ads were so effective for small business specifically was this like cross-pollination where like well and that's that's both my intrigue and my concern is that and this is a big prediction and I'm not saying this is going to happen anytime soon it may not happen ever I am kind of worried for the smaller RAND shops on Squarespace on Shopify if they do not integrate their shop completely onto what I think will become a full-on website building e-commerce platform built into Meta, if they don't do that, then they're going to lose out on a lot of marketing opportunities. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. 
Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out the job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, I totally agree. My concern, though, is for the small businesses that are not like in the list of compliant businesses. So like, it's so much easier, at least right now. I'm not saying it has always been easier. But like, in the moment, if you run a physical product based shop, there's more organic opportunities on pretty much every platform for I wouldn't say free exposure, but way more exposure than any other type of business has access to because they're limited and as to what they can say or how they can say it, or the algorithm's just not giving them the push because they're not in their list of like accepted, you know, categories. In a similar vein, TikTok shop launched really early July. And the really fascinating thing about this is I think TikTok shop could kind of be that rebirth of like small businesses getting organic exposure in the way that like early Facebook worked. And they started pushing, it was all over the For You page. I'm sure a lot of you who spend time on TikTok have noticed. The interesting thing is they're making it really sexy for small businesses and for affiliates because for small businesses, they're discounting products by 30%. 
but still paying the business themselves the full 100% of the sale price, even if they chose to discount it, and often also covering the shipping for that shop to try to incentivize sales. And then on the flip side, for those people that like already have some sort of audience, if you have a minimum of 5,000 followers, you can become a TikTok affiliate. And their commission structure is currently 10 to 20%, which is like absolutely banana like that's 10x what you're seeing on Amazon or like to know it affiliate programs well and what that also tells me is i like to look at like the psychology behind the impacts of every decision that especially meta but but anyone big in that space is making because it impacts so many it impacts our buying behavior our shopping behavior our online interaction behavior period subconsciously or not it does and what this tells me is that they're continuing to teach and to reiterate that if you do not jump on the bandwagon, as soon as something comes out, you will miss out for years to come. Because if there are TikTok people who are just now starting and who don't have those 5,000 followers, they're probably really frustrated that they're not going to also get access to these perks. And if you had started sooner, if we had done whatever, then maybe it would be a different ballgame. And so I think it's for any future thing that they put out, more people are just going to sign up. Well, that's the interesting thing is on the shop side, you don't have to have any followers to start a shop, but to be an affiliate, you have to have 5,000. So it's like incentivizing people that don't even have a product to sell to jump into product sales, which I mean, I love incentivizing small business, go for it. But I feel like the way they're doing it is at a loss to their company. And so they're giving away so much capital right now. They can't afford to do this very long. Oh, I mean, that's the game plan, right? Though, like, how long did it take Amazon to become profitable? Like, if they're in the long-term plan, game plan here, they don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't know. It's It'll be so interesting. It's like, well, how long are they going to make that easy? And I don't know. I guess Amazon's still technically doing it. Their prices are incredibly hard to compete with mm-hmm. anywhere I else. just a uh, random PSA, author or not, please support your independent bookstore. Amazon prices books deliberately so that they lose money, so that they get sales from bookstores who will then shut down, and then your only option will be to support Amazon. So go, buy used, go to your library, go to your independent bookstore, please and thank you. Yeah, for real though. And also support on Amazon because it's also great for authors there too. Like literally do both if you can. I know it's so frustrating. (laughs) I know. It's so wild to think about all the different things that it's ultimately doing. And then this is just like added on top to what the F is Elon doing this week kind of approach. And before we dive into that, because I think that I want to segue into it by this conversation. I want to hear your perspective on the branding of threads and then we can move into the freaking rebrand that's happening over there on Twitter. Okay, so I think the branding of threads is a quite clever and also a giant f you to Twitter in so many ways and I think whatever designer worked on it deserves a huge fucking raise. Like it is so well done from a design perspective. Like the user interface, while it immediately feels familiar, 
while you have never been in it before, which is just the sign of good UI. But from the design standpoint, I really like the at symbol that is kind of pointing and nodding towards how Twitter started. Like you tag the user by using the at symbol. Do I think it was super intentional? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Do I what also are your thoughts on the snaky look of the share when you share it to your stories or your feed? I don't know. I feel like sometimes little ideas become a bigger branding point than they're really meant to be. So like, I think people are reading into some of this branding as like, it means something when I don't necessarily know if it always does. Oh, no, I'm not saying it means anything. I'm saying, do you like what it looks like or not? Oh, I'm not sure I know what you mean by the threads, like by the snaky. The literal black and white threaded, like when you share your stories. Oh, when you share your stories. Oh, I think I immediately said if they don't come up with alternative backgrounds to the share to Instagram, people aren't going to do it. And the problem is, so I've already seen people try to like screenshot it and like make their own backgrounds, which is fine. But if you use the actual thread to share it to stories, then it's clickable into the threads app. But if you like change your own background, obviously that's not a thing without hacking it with like layering images. So if they don't give you more options, people aren't going to do that. Like, so they're either going to need to integrate backgrounds or give you the option to upload your own background for those kinds of things. Or people aren't going to use it. I just thought it was a really strong choice of like, no one else gives you the option to upload your own background when you're sharing, like even like Twitter or whatever, old Twitter. But like, it still looked basic enough that you didn't care. It was just like a cream background with a blue edge border. But this was like an aggressive design choice. Oh, 100%. It's very specific. And so like, if that's not your style for the rest, I mean, because Instagram is so style based and like your brand based that. If it doesn't fit, you're way less likely to post it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe you'd post it to stories and not your feed. Because it'll but, disappear. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't like that. No. But the actual app itself, I think, yeah. is quite nice. So what are your thoughts on the rebrand for old Twitter? Oh, my God. Okay. So I've only seen some of the previews. Keep in mind, this was literally announced last night or like sometime yesterday. So I've sat with this information less than 12 hours. So I think one, I think threads is probably black because someone got a leaked version of Twitter's rebrand. That's my hypothesis on the color choice. But Twitter, while definitely like cutesy and definitely like feels nostalgic at this point, the new version of what it's supposed to look like is such an aggressive, like not just masculine, but like almost dangerous feeling like dark web esque (laughs) vibe that I'm like, I think you're going to, you thought you saw Exodus before. I think more people are going to leave if you really lean into this in the way that he alluded to it being I don't necessarily think changing it from Twitter to X, the letter X, is like that huge of a deal. I think he's trying to create consistency across his company. So like from that standpoint, I understand. But the actual branding from a design perspective, 
is a really bad idea. Could you use X and still make it feel? I just thought it was interesting, which like, I mean, he's literally delusional. So like, I'm not going to pretend to understand his brain, but the concept of Facebook changing its name to meta, right? People still refer to it as Facebook enough. It says Facebook still in the upper left-hand corner of your thread. It's just owned by meta. It's just a bigger, different delineation of a bigger brand. Okay, whatever. That's fine. You don't say like, I Facebooked you today. Like it's not used as a word, right? But Twitter is like, I tweeted you. I, you know, like I tweeted at you. I saw on Twitter, right? It's used so easily in our everyday conversation when talking about it, that changing the name drastically forces people to change their language around it as well, which was intentional. It was intentional, but I don't know what the language would be. Right. Like, at least with threads, I feel like people were easily making, like, not jokes, but, like, there was very easy vernacular that was, like, adopted (laughs) um, versus with the letter X. You're like, I posted on X? Like, what? I saw this funny meme that was like, I am not going to type X into my browser window. My wife is right behind me. <laughs> well, um, there's that. Like, will it even work at like work computers? Like, oh, I don't know. But I mean, as of last night, Elon's Twitter bio was just X.com. And when I clicked on it, because I was curious where it would take you, it went to Twitter's login mm-hmm. as of last night. Yeah. So do I think he's serious about it? Yeah. Do I think everyone at Twitter is like, what the fuck ever, as long as they still have well, a job? What, what, the six people left at Twitter? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And then Twitter obviously was frustrated by the situation. They they immediately sent a cis and deceased letter to Meta when threads dropped. But I can't imagine that they didn't know it was coming. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's enough cross-population in, like, the tech world of who used to work at Meta or who used to work at Twitter or whatever that, like, even if there were NDAs, people knew that this was coming. Like, even if the general population didn't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm ready to see just... Twitter die and leave. It's not a safe space for plenty of people for it to just shouldn't exist. And I'm like worried about already the shift. And, you know, we were talking about how threads was being, people were being intentional about the vibe and the energy that was being brought to that space. The exact opposite vibe and energy is over on Twitter right now and has been for many months. And I think that with a literal scary rebrand and darker rebrand and more ominous rebrand that's only going to support that to continue. Well, and I don't want to go down a huge political tangent here, but I don't know if you've seen the insane bill. I know it's backed by at least 40 Congress people regarding freedom of speech and that to create profiles on any of these networks, they want you to upload a copy of your driver's license, which, you know, right now they're making the case for it to protect children and children from child predators, which I'm all for, like, how do we protect our kids? But also there's a huge dangerous line of 
what's going to prevent you from being able to speak at all? And what are they going to try to make go away? And I do think it's a very interesting choice that Threads doesn't have an option for you to look at who you're just following. Like it is an algorithm and I can imagine that they could manipulate it however they want. And so while it's currently very positive, what does that look like on the long term? I'm unsure. And I know some of the language around what are the things they own is wild. And if we're talking about IP and like all of the other stuff, like there's insane things happening with Google and AI in documents and like will authors have anything they ever typed in a Google Doc be like released into, I don't know. I could go on a million and one tangents here. Privacy is important and your safety is important. And how do we also keep small businesses running (laughs) in the midst of all of this constant change? Because it's not a little bit. Like It's a lot all at once, very, very, very fast. Most of what we're talking about are things that happened in the last two weeks. And I'm sure they've been planned for months, if not years, but... It's all happening so simultaneously that to be a small business and to try to keep up in that landscape is is really intimidating. So before we wrap up, I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on like, what would you spend your time on? What do you think people should be focused on? What do you try? What do you give up on? <laughs> like I, <do. laughs> I, for me, it's never going to be a platform over another um, because they do change day by day. I think the same thing is important to both you and I and how it's important to you guys is going to show up differently. At the end of the day, community is your best friend. Creating that, sustaining that, and pouring into it wherever it's both fun for you and also effective is where I want you spending your time. For me, that answer is still Instagram. That's where a lot of chatter happens. That's where I still love showing up. It's where I've kind of figured out my community of people who support me and who rally behind me. And I have really fun conversations over there. No other platform for me scratches the itch and serves me in as big of a way other than like just directly selling to, you know, either my Amazon link or my website or whatever. I know a lot of people have started and really investigated sub stacks and started to write to you know, their audience and their followers and starting to try to build a community over there and a platform that's completely separate. I know people who've explored completely different platforms like Circle or Mighty Networks, and they're trying to build community over there. It works differently for every single business, for every single need. I think that my advice has always been to try to find that unique blend of what does work and lights you up and excites you. Yeah, I think for me, I want to differentiate between what do you want to do, what is necessary, and what are you excited to try? Because for some people, you don't necessarily need massive exposure to be booked out or to reach the ultimate goal that you're after. And you might be able to do some cold outreach on LinkedIn, which we didn't even bring up today and get booked out and not really need to play into this content cycle or game or whatever. 
But I know for me right now, the focus is on how can I expand my audience and like grow the number of people who do have eyeballs on the thing. And so to me, I think Instagram is the best way to ongoing nurture. But for discoverability, I think TikTok is still the biggest opportunity for discoverability. I'm still the most intimidated by it, though, uh, personally. And it's not because I don't consume the content. It's simply because I don't love video as a form of communication. I would happily write and create graphics and post all day on Instagram or even threads. I haven't attempted to use threads for discoverability yet. Will I maybe try? Sure. But I would love to figure out, is there a way to still get exposure on Instagram so I don't have to like put time and energy into so many different places? Well, I tried to quickly look up since you like subtly mentioned LinkedIn, but we didn't bring it up here. I was curious to see if LinkedIn users or active users have increased in the past year or two, but especially in the past couple months, which is different. A lot of people left Instagram last year. A lot more people left Facebook the year prior and are continuing to leave. And so I'm and a shit ton of people have left Twitter. And so people still want to spend time online. And so are they making that choice somewhere else? And so first of all, there's a shit ton of users on LinkedIn. And it's forecasted that they will have a billion users by 2025, which is not that long from now. An average of three new people sign up every single minute on LinkedIn. But this is what was cool. So this is from third quarter of 2022. So, uh, you know, a couple quarters ago, but LinkedIn witnessed 15.4 billion sessions in the third quarter of 2022, which is an increase of 418%, which is wild. And so I think it is growing. And I think the user sessions are growing. Well, and I saw a I don't know who said it or exactly how it was said, but it alluded to the concept that tech based companies can be so far ahead, that if the interest is not in alignment with the technology, the thing won't take off. Right. So for generations, decades where someone will invent something or a tech thing will be released and like the world wasn't ready. And so, right. Well, like QR codes are kind of like the perfect example. QR codes existed in marketing in the early 2000s and, you know, were a part of my job. And then people were just like, fuck QR codes because nobody actually uses them. Mm -hmm. And now like they're in every restaurant. They're in like, they're everywhere. They're even on television now. Like you can watch an ad and they'll be like, scan this thing to like go to some site, which is wild to me of how like the technology is at this point old and now it's picking up in users. And so I kind of wonder if this concept of having a professional social platform was just so different from, if you think about social media being new, right? Social media being new used to be the way to catch up with friends that you maybe used to call on the phone or texted. And so like you could keep up with the people from high school, even if you weren't hanging out with the people from high school anymore, whatever. But then when people started using it for business, I think people were struggling with like, how do you blend the two? And so many people had 
this cross pollination that got uncomfortable. Like, how do you like show pictures of your kids? And if you even want to do that while simultaneously talking about needing new clients. And so like the concept of having a completely professional social platform makes so much sense. But 10 years ago, that's not what people were looking for. And so I wouldn't be surprised if LinkedIn gets this like new bit of traction. Uh uh I want to have you guess one statistic and then we can wrap this up. So what percentage do you think LinkedIn is responsible of the social media traffic that B2B blogs and websites receive? What percentage of that traffic comes from LinkedIn? 15. 50. Wow. (laughs) What? That's wild. That's really wild. I mean, B2B is so specific. I know back in the day, we saw 50% of our traffic from Pinterest. Mm-hmm. And Pinterest is what's going on with Pinterest. I don't what know. is going on with Pinterest? What is even, I don't even know. Like people are people still using Pinterest? <laughs> are people searching on Pinterest? I used I to heard recipes still. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think people go there for visual things when they need ideas, but do they really go there to search in the same way that they're searching on these other platforms? I don't think so. I don't know, man. It's a wild, wild time to be running a business online and you guys are in our thoughts. So um, <laughs> if you'd like to continue yours. <laughs> the discussion, feel free to send us a DM over on Instagram. I'm at Abigail says, Emily says, or you can find Boss Project. And we'd love to keep chatting. We'll and we'll see you what next know. two weeks brings. <laughs> yeah, who knows? No predictions right now because I couldn't have predicted a lot of what's happened in the last two. So good luck. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.